welcome to Gen X Voice. Nobody asked us, so let's get our voices heard. Written off years ago as the Slacker generation, we actually have brought a lot to the world behind the scenes. Now we need to bridge two opposing generations and make sure non-Karen voices are heard. I'm your host, Trish The Dish, and I'm going to interview Gen Xers being rad and doing cool shit in the world. You can follow me at Gen X Voice on Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. Check out other podcasts, videos, and blogs at GenXVoice.com. Even though the focus of this platform will be to celebrate Generation X, the goal is to interview as many people as possible from lots of generations, backgrounds, and experiences. Let's unpack some of our differences and attempt to discover what truly ties us all together. With so much division and pain in the world today, instead of shutting people down for their age or other features outside of their control, let's listen to these voices and discover common ground so we can come together and create a better world for all. Hello, listeners. I can't tell you how happy I am that you've chosen to listen to this episode, Christianity and the Gen Xer. I'm sure you know this by now, but just in case, I wanted to remind you all that my goal is to have as many different voices shared on this podcast as possible in order to see what connects us rather than divides us. How many of you blame Christians for voting Trump into office? Do you feel uncomfortable when you encounter a Christian because you feel like they have nothing in common with you? Or are you a Christian who votes purely for the concern of abortion being legalized and feel misunderstood because of your political beliefs? I was really excited to touch on some of these topics with Aria, as well as uncover her path to this religion and what motivates her as a Christian in today's world. Her story is fascinating, and her insights are intriguing and interesting, so I hope you listen with an open heart. And in the spirit of this podcast, I want to invite anyone from a different spiritual or religious background to contact me through my website at genxvoice.com if you would like to be a guest and share your experience. Or feel free to email me at trishthedish at genxvoice.com if this or any episode inspires you to share something with me, even if you are not interested in being a guest. I would love to hear from you and share your thoughts on the podcast and the episodes in particular. Your email may even be picked to be read on the next episode. And don't forget to check out the show notes each episode to links to support our guest projects or check out things we reference like other episodes, uh, music, places, or my website and the email address I just said. Oh, and I just got to say thank you listeners for being a part of this podcast family all over the United States, the UK, Canada, Europe, Africa, and Australia. Your support is everything to me, and it motivates me to keep doing this podcast and find interesting people for you to hear from. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Aria. Hi, Trish. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? I'm doing very well. It's a beautiful day here in Knoxville, and uh, it's been relaxing, and it's it's going pretty well. So, Wow, you're in Knoxville, Tennessee. Are you guys having a... Uh, a, a fall or does it feel more like winter? How's the weather like in terms of like, is it hot or cold? Well, that's an interesting question. It's 
Both. Um, right now it's actually chilly, but what we get up until kind of late October into November is we get colored trees and we also still get warm temperatures and it's just started getting cold like the past week or so. Um, yeah, so we get four seasons, but they're not super extreme, I guess, but we had really pretty trees this year. So lots of trees. <laughs> Wow. And so, um, and, and Aria, I'd like to ask, um, how, what year were you born? How old are you? When, oh, okay. I was born in 1967. So I am 53 and I actually don't, it's weird to me that I'm not still like 35 because of how I feel, but I am actually 53. And, um, so that is how old I am. And um, you probably don't feel very old because you are a Zumba instructor. Yes. <laughs> I think it's so great because I got into Zumba maybe about a decade ago. Um, when did you start Zumba? And, and, um, and then when did you start teaching? Yeah. So that's kind of a fun story. My family and I lived in England for a few years from 2011 to 2014. And somewhere in there, uh, an English friend of mine invited me to attend a Zumba class with her. And I did. And I just fell in love with it. And I had had dance uh, in the past. I'd had jazz and ballet and modern, just mostly classes and, you know, a few performances not professionally, but I loved dance and I fell in love with Zumba and I was like, I want to teach this sometime. So then I started like watching Zumba uh, classes online and, uh, and, you know, just doing it at home as well. And then uh, finally in Tennessee in 2017, I got my Zumba instructor's license and I pretty much started teaching right away. Like there was just a little bit of a time lapse and then I started a couple months later teaching in a dance studio so, and then uh, went from there and I uh, became an employee at the Y and Gold's gym. And it's been kind of, you know, depending on what the needs were, I've taught it both right now. I'm teaching at the Y and also just started at something called elevation arts and fitness, which is like a fitness boutique. So I'm teaching there as well. And so it's, yeah, it's been um, almost five years. It'll be five years in February and I love it. I really oh love it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It is such a fun class to take, but you know, I once hurt my knee a little bit oh. um, in, which I hear happens often. Uh, is that, is that something that you, have you ever hurt yourself teaching or had anyone in your class get hurt? I have not. I've been very blessed, um, like to have good like I've, I've had a couple of injuries way long ago when I was running. Um, but I have, I guess the closest, not an injury in my class, but when I was new, I was, I'm still kind of a high intensity teacher, but when I was new, um, this kind of college age girl came in and she uh, was going all out dancing. And then she actually had to stop and sit down. I felt really bad. Like she was getting dizzy. So no injuries, but there have been and probably a couple of other times where, people kind of had to stop and rest. And I've actually dialed down a little bit since then um, <laughs> because I don't want anybody to, but um, yeah, I have hurt. And like, honestly, I have a friend who, uh, who had, and I don't think it was because of Zumba directly, but she um, anyway, not going into too many details, but she did have something that happened and she's, she's now doing something else career wise. But um, yeah, I haven't, I've been really blessed and I'm going to say something. This is weird. I'm not like promoting anything. I take collagen supplements like 
and I am not promoting a brand or I don't sell them, but I'm going to say they, I think that that really helps. And I'm just going to put that out there. I'm not selling them. I'm not promoting them. What does it help with? Um, what it helps is your skin, like it doesn't get rid of your crow's feet or whatever, but it helps your skin plump up and it also helps with your joints. And it's like, I never have any problems with my knees. I can go way down with my squats, weighted squats, bounce all over the place. And I haven't gotten injured and I'm going to say, and I'm mostly going to say the grace of God, but I honestly, I'm going to say if there's something where, you know, I think it actually works. Um, and I don't know if the brand matters, but just collagen supplements. <laughs> yeah, you can do it if you want. You know, anything that helps feel good um, with your body is, is probably not a bad thing to promote. So, um, so everyone look up collagen supplements. Yeah, and I do. I just do bovine. It's just bovine. It's like not a anything weird. Oh, okay. So an animal product. Yeah. Uh, so as a vegan, I probably wouldn't be into that. Not all my listeners are vegan, I'm sure, but um, but it would be interesting to see if there's something similar to that. Plant-based, yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I certainly hope so. And yeah, I did not know that. So I hope I didn't offend you, but I know there are a lot of vegans out there. <laughs> no, uh, definitely no offense here. I mean, we're all different people with different routes, and which is why I'm so happy to have you on the show because... Uh, one of the reasons why I uh, wanted you to be a guest is because you've recently, in your adult life, have discovered uh, Christianity. And so I was hoping that you would kind of take me through, as a Gen Xer, how, how you grew up, maybe without religion or with religion, and then what brought you kind of to that, to that path? Oh, yeah, I'll be thrilled to do that. Okay, so I'll try to keep it quick. But um, I grew up, basically, I would say it's a, it was a very educated, both of my parents are still alive, by the way, uh, they live in California, and uh, I miss them. But yeah, um, I grew up in a very educated, I'd say upper middle class uh, family, both of my parents have math PhDs. Um, wow. My dad, yeah, I know, right? And I, that is, math is not my thing. <laughs> it didn't, the gene didn't come, it, they canceled each other out. The genes canceled each other out. <laughs> I think so, yeah. It's fine. my brother isn't, a, he's a creative person too. It's really funny. But, um, and he's very smart. No, I'm not saying he's, but you know, math isn't really that. But no, my parents are both math PhDs. When I was very, very young, uh, we were living on the East Coast. My dad was a math professor briefly, and then he became a computer programmer at uh, St. Vincent's Hospital in New York. He commuted to the city. We lived in, um, actually lived in a very beautiful part of New Jersey, had a couple of ponies. My mom um, also did some math, like she wasn't a professor, but she did some instructing. And then um, we moved to California when I was 10, and my parents all along had been bringing me to church. Um, we went to and teaching me about God. My dad had been Catholic and then he had been agnostic and then he became a, a Christian. My mom grew up Lutheran. And, and yeah, so it was complicated. But what happened was they uh, were very scientific and mathematical people, but they also were Christians, which I think was was really cool because um, like they were very much into okay, this is the scientific method and this is how this works, you know, but at the same time, there are things that we can't learn with our senses. And they taught me about Jesus and the Bible. Um, so I heard all this and I believed it 
from a very young age, but I also kind of wanted to do my own thing. Um, so I would say that what happened was, um, I went through and as a Gen Xer, um, I grew up in Southern, we moved to California when I was 10, Southern California in the eighties as a teenager was a very, and I was involved in drama. So there was a lot of for me, there was a lot of drinking, which I also started to do on my own way to, you know, which was ridiculous, but a lot of drama parties. Some of them were very clean and some of them had a lot of alcohol. I just wanted to do my own thing. I liked boys. I liked music and there's nothing wrong with that, but, and I liked alcohol and I liked all these things and I believed in Jesus, but I just wanted to kind of be my own ruler basically. So I, um, got myself into, uh, just, um, let me fast forward a little. So I went to college and I went to UC Irvine. Where did you live in Southern California? Because, um, I'm from Joshua Tree. Well, I lived in Joshua Tree for from 12 oh, to 18. Oh, I love the Joshua Trees. They're yeah. so and, and my and my aunt who was in the episode a couple before this called The Original Valley Girl grew up in the San Fernando Valley. So where were you? Yeah, Tustin and my parents still actually live there. Yeah, so Orange County, right in the middle of Orange County. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I commuted. I actually commuted to college because Irvine is right next to Tustin. And um, we got to go on field trips to Mexico for anthropology. It was so, I I fell in love. That, believe, I went to college when I was 17. And that, talk about eye opening as far as seeing, um, because we went and stayed with a couple of families in the, in areas of Mexico that were, that were poor and uh, those people were so gracious and generous and hospitable and oh my goodness what a you know and here I had come from you know just this middle class life and seeing how happy and content these people were and it really was broadening to my worldview and I think I it wasn't time yet but the Lord definitely used that to start to you know there were things that but start to like open my eyes to things not being like in this little way that I was seeing them necessarily. But, um, so I went to college and while I was there, I met, um, a man, you know, wonderful man that I ended up marrying right at pretty much right after college. I had an internship in DC after and came back. And then, uh, we got married when I was 21. He was really, really nice. Um, he was, he was Jewish and, um, he wanted children before he was 30 and I, and we were both way younger than that. And I didn't want children, I thought. And so I was like, well, it's so long from now. So fast forward, once I married him, um, and we were, we were very comfortable. His family owned a small chain of jewelry stores and I managed one of them for a while. And I also started doing some modeling as you know, and I also was doing some political stuff. Like I was a city council campaigning manager and I can't, you know, it sounds like incredible that I did all this stuff, all this, but I really, you know, it just had a lot of opportunities, but what happened after I married him was it didn't make me feel complete. And he was really nice. It wasn't like his fault, but I think I felt like once I got married, that would be the be all and end all. And I feel complete. And, and it didn't, even though he was really nice. And so I started drinking more and more and more. And so what ended up, yeah. And then I decided, well, if I go to grad school, you know, I will then everything. And so when I was 25, I went to grad school and that was the psychology 
And then that kind of fed into the, well, you have to actualize yourself. You have to go after this and that, you know, even in, as part of what we were learning. And it was a good school. It was Pepperdine. It wasn't like, you oh know. My, well, hold the phone. You don't just throw out Pepperdine to another SoCal person. That yeah. campus in Malibu overlooking the beach. That's I where I went to graduate. Like, I went to an Irvine satellite campus, but I got to graduate at Malibu, which was gorgeous. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Was it so dreamy that day? It really was. And, and at that point, I had my son, and my infant son in my arms when I was graduating. And the Lord had already, you know, that was about the time I, but I came to the Lord. But, but yeah, there, um, it was. That was a dreamy. And my grandmother and my parents were there, and my um my now husband was there and, and my brother was there. It was a very dreamy day. And yes, with that gorgeous view. <laughs> but, um, so what led up to that though, was I decided to leave my first husband and just kind of do whatever I wanted and dropped out of grad school for about, it was like six months to a year when I just kind of, um, went and hung out with bands and recorded, <laughs> recorded music on this, uh, this, um, it was like, um, keyboard with a and then I had a eight track not an eight track uh, like a recording thing from the 90s you know where I could record my own different tracks and I just was I went on the same tangent for like six months for a year and I drank more and more and then I ended up getting and this sounds crazy but I ended up getting held up at gunpoint at one point because I had met this guy who said he was going to sell me drugs and that alcohol wasn't making me feel good anymore and so what he ended up doing was coming back to my place at that point and stealing my keyboard <laughs> pointing a gun at me and calling me up beep you know the b word and then I started running and I was sure he was going to shoot me in the back and I like ran as fast as I ever could. And I turned around and he was running off in a different direction. He didn't want to kill me. He just wanted to steal, you know, whatever. Anyway, so that was a wake up call. And another wake up call was I, in a blackout once back then, um, wrote Jesus, I'm 26 and I'm an alcoholic. Please help me. I didn't know I had written it until the next morning. And I looked at that and I, didn't want to drink after that. It was so weird and it's crazy, but, um, and this is nothing against people who drink in moderation, you know, at all. Like you can have a glass. No, your story doesn't sound like there was any moderation whatsoever. So I'm sure, I'm sure everyone knows you're not judging them for that is wild. And then the final topper shortly after that, um, my now husband and I, we had met through a mutual friends and, um, he and I went to Las Vegas and I ended up, I was being careful, but I got pregnant. And, um, so at first I was afraid to tell him and I was like this irony of kind of leaving my first marriage partly cause I didn't want kids. And now here I am. And I hadn't known my now husband that long. We'd only been dating like three or four months. And I was really afraid to even tell him that I was pregnant and I had, um, backup plan of going and seeing if I could stay with a relative 
and just not telling him, you know, it's like, there's no way he's going to be okay with this. It's, you know, we haven't known each other that long. And anyway, so I did tell him what he said. And I love that he said this. He's like, Oh, another little rugrat. And I just thought that was so sweet. And he was okay with it. And we, he was 23 and I was 26 at the time. Yeah. So we ended up getting married the day before my son was born. My son is now 25. I know. I know. It's so crazy. He graduated from college and he's, he's engaged. And yeah, it's crazy. So we ended up getting, and then what happened and focusing back in on uh, how I came to the Lord, I had started feeling the Holy Spirit bring to my mind things that I had said and done that just weren't good. And in the past, I had all went, oh, well, this excuse, that excuse of why I did or said that. And he started pointing at my heart. And this is not, you know, like audible or anything, but just kind of reminding me of things and like, this wasn't right. This was wrong. This is, this is not, you can't make an excuse. This is part of your sinful nature, you know? And, um, so what happened when my son was six months old was just, I was on my knees kind of begging God for mercy and he kind of shined a light into my heart and showed me that I was actually a sinner, which is what the missing piece had been. Like I believe Jesus was there, but I didn't realize how much I needed a savior. And he like shined a light into my heart and I kind of called out for mercy. And then it was like everything had been washed clean. And I, all of a sudden I just, I didn't want anything to do with, some, you know, I, I wanted to go back and apologize and nobody told me to do this just that, you know, but I went back and found as many people as I could to apologize to for things I had said and done. And, uh, he'd already taken alcohol out of the picture, you know, I'm very good, but yeah, he took away my desire to smoke at that point too. And, and literally, and I started wanting to read the Bible and wanting to go to church, not just cause I was supposed to. And, and it was just like, I knew everything was about him and about eternity and it wasn't just the stuff I was seeing around me and the happenstance of everyday life. There's it, it, this is really, really about God and about eternity, you know, and, uh, that has not changed. I mean, it's sometimes it's clearer than others, but I've been a different person since then. And I would not go back to the way I was. And there have definitely been some very difficult things, but I'm just so glad, like I'd rather have God and go through those things than have uh, maybe things be easier and not have the relationship with Jesus. And uh, so it just comes down to, you know, his grace and he just opened my eyes. And now that's been 25 years ago. Wow. Yeah. I want to say thank you so much for sharing all of that, Ari, because that is quite a, quite a path and quite a journey to get to that point in, in the spirit of this podcast and hoping that um, what we do is we make maybe connections of your story to people who may be agnostic or come from a different religion. Um, a friend of mine said to me, um, and she, she was um, in a, in a cult for lack of better words for, for much of her adult life and, and, um, and she is still, she still believes in God, but not necessarily the church. And so what she, she was saying to me was, you know, Christ is really a term that meant enlightenment. Would you consider yourself have become enlightened? And, and for people who maybe have never heard of Christianity or were not raised in Christianity, 
Um, do you think there's a similarity with those words or do you think that's, it's totally different? Okay. And this is where I'm going to be, um, try to word this really carefully. Um, so there is a very specific gospel of Christianity. I know that there are a lot of, um, kind of belief systems out there. I have read a little bit about other, I'm not going to say I'm an expert, but I do know a little bit about you know, what some other belief systems think. And I know that that's, that's one way of looking at things kind of. Um, and I'm going to say that, that that's not the same. Um, if you're actually a Christian as opposed to spiritual or new age, you believe that Jesus of the Bible is, is the one true God in human form. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead and he is alive, even though we don't see him you know, he's in heaven, but he's in a physical glorified body in heaven. And he will, we don't know when, but he will return to take his people with him. And if you, you know, pass away before then you go to be with him in a new glorified body. But yeah, it's, it's very specific. And I know that if you just look at concepts like um, peace and love and joy and love your neighbor, those concepts overlap with a lot of things out there, which can be, you know, confusing to people. But if you look at Jesus himself and not Jesus as, as a guru or a, an example, but Jesus being, God and and the only way of salvation. Uh, actual Christianity is unique, and uh, Jesus loves everyone and wants everyone to come to Him, and He died for everyone. Um, and all people need to do is put their trust in Him. I just I had a really hard heart, and it took me a long time to see that I was actually a sinner. And I think what happens sometimes, like, is people we don't want to see that there's something wrong with us. Like we can go, Oh, I did that. And that was wrong. But like that, our, the human nature itself is fallen and that's a hard pill to swallow. So, um, I think sometimes people will be like, Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, but it's not necessarily the Jesus described in the Bible. So, um, and it's not necessarily introspection either. As far as seeing your own um, need for salvation, taking taking responsibility for your actions, right, right, yeah, that's true too, and that's something like I know I didn't want that, and that's partly why, even though I said I was a Christian, I cringe when I think about things I used to do while calling myself a Christian. And Christians are not perfect; Christians are people who've been saved by God's grace, and I'm not perfect, and you know nobody is. But no, I'm just saying the way I lived back before, like I basically realized that I was the problem and that the Lord had mercy on me. I am not that person and I don't want to be that person. (laughs) You know what I mean? How do you as a Christian, how do you navigate through the political climate that we're in today? Yeah, that's a really good question. And what I'm going to say is I saw problems with both major candidates where I, uh, couldn't bring myself to vote for either of them. I'm going to say just, just so just for the record, I am relieved more about the outcome the way it is than the other way, but just just out of curiosity, because you know, there's still kind of two controversy. Okay. I honestly, I don't want to, I don't want to be political, but I'm going to say that I think, do you mind if I say names? I don't mind. No, this is, this is a platform. (laughs) I used to be very, very political in the past, but yeah, I honestly, 
agreed with a handful of things Trump did, but I think that he set such a bad example of what a Christian it could, because he claimed to be a Christian. He set a, such a bad example. He was unpresidential, just completely self-motivated, but claiming that he was doing it for other people. I, I think he was a terrible president. My main issue with Biden is that I am very, still very pro-life. Um, I do believe in light, you know, taking care of life after birth as well as before birth. I am not like, oh, yeah, just have the babies born and then, a you know, I am much I'm not really a Democrat or a Republican when it comes to my views. But I am relieved we don't have Trump anymore. I don't think that there's any question about the election results. Well, but Biden, um, you mentioned Biden, but isn't he? A, he's a Catholic. So what do you mean about um, abortion? Yeah. So I actually looked it up because there's so much hearsay out there about what people stand on certain things. Um, and he actually is pro, I'm just to use the vernacular pro choice in his own words, very much so um, currently, I don't know where, where he's been on that in the past. And to me, um, just, and without going into details, but just to not just cause I made the choice to keep my, you know, but because I know what actually happens during the procedure, like I've looked into it and it's, I think most people don't know what actually happens. So I'm not judging people who literally don't know what happens, but you know, if people want to do the homework on what actually happens during the procedure, I think they might be shocked. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my, um, and so I voted for Kanye West. <laughs> I'm just going to say and I know that's like not voting, but I just felt like um, I don't think he's presidential timber. It was a pro, but you know, I think he's honest and it was a protest vote on my part. So that's, and um, navigating the political climate has been tricky for me because um, a lot of people that I otherwise love and respect um, saw merit in Trump that I didn't see. Um, and I think it was partly because they felt like he symbolized standing for certain things, which I think he, it was expedience on his part. I don't think he's principled, but I think it was to keep getting the Christian vote. And so it's been tricky. I've mostly tried to stay quiet on social media for the most part about, I did say something once about being pro-life, but not being pro-Trump. And I got like 200 comments. Um, and so it's, it's been tricky, but I've tried, I've, try to keep focusing back on to Jesus is the king, no matter who's the president. Um, you know, this is temporal and th politics is important, but it's not eternal. What's eternal is people's souls. And God loves Trump. He loves Biden. He loves, you know, Kanye West. And these people all have immortal souls. And um, the, I want my main focus to be on telling people that Jesus loves them. And because, you know, heaven is forever. And I've tried to, and politics is important and there are very important issues, but that's how I've tried to navigate it for the most part. It's hard not to jump in sometimes with what I think in a stronger sense about individuals. I have, uh, I have Christian family members who are very much about, um, they will always, re they will always vote Republican because they are always pro-life. But it sounds like um, for you, you weren't even willing to vote Republican because uh, Trump didn't line up with, with your values. But were you, I want to ask, and I know you said you didn't want to get really political, but I think it's, um, it's less political and more um, a sociological 
study. If, if you'll, if you'll walk the walk with me. And, um, but, um, were you happy that Trump was able to put in someone like, um, Amy Cohen into, um, the, the Supreme court and, and are you hopeful that Roe v. versus Wade will be overturned? Okay. And that's a really good point. Um, so yes, as we know, the Supreme court is now majority of, you know, Swatasan conservatives and Amy Coney Barrett is very, very pro-life. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying her name, right? I totally messed that up. <laughs> it's fine. And, um, so as somebody who is, Pro-life, and by pro-life, I'm also including, I do not think children should be separated from their parents at the border, <laughs> but pro-life in the in the technical sense of being, you know, thinking Roe v. Wade should be overturned. Honestly, and I know this is not a popular view, but yes, because I actually know what, I volunteered um, at, actually more than once, but um, pro-life situations to help out women who are in that difficult situation, and I know what happens, what the alternative is. And so because of that, and um, I do think I would like to see that overturned, but, but I know there's like a plethora of other things that sometimes people who believe that also believe in other areas that I don't believe. So um, I think maybe, um, yeah, that would be one of the few positive outcomes of the Trump whole administration that was mostly a disaster. So you're not necessarily Republican because I, I have friends that are like, oh, well, Trish, I'm fis- I'm a fiscal Republican. I, I don't want to be told where to put my money. But it sounds like you might be even more center of right because of the fact that you even say that um, you don't want children to be forgotten about. So do you believe in um, having our tax money go to um, things like education and the foster um, and welfare programs to help people who have made the choice to keep their children. And coming from where I used to be very much, not only a Republican, but a libertarian Republican and just lots of years of seeing life and just really reading what the Bible really says. Yes. I am not a fiscal Republican anymore the way I used to be or a fiscal, fiscal conservative I would say I'm a moral conservative, but fiscally, I'm actually a lot less (laughs) conservative than I used to be. And and part of the reason was living in England also opened my eyes. They have what some people, Republicans here would decry as far as health care and things like that. And actually living there and seeing how it works, I, I think a lot of people were just not really seeing clearly how it, how it is. And I'm not saying like England is perfect, but they have, uh, just talking about healthcare, um, they have higher taxes, but they also don't have the premiums that we have every month. And, and I hate to say it, but like we have taxes too, and we have these insurance premiums and a lot of people still die because they don't get healthcare. So, and, um, honestly, I just, I'm not a fiscal conservative, like I would have been 10 years ago, even, um, I'm, but I am a moral conservative, and that's why neither of the major candidates lined up with me. So I know I'm not really typical. I came from like I've never, I've still never voted for a Democrat in my entire life. Um, I voted for a couple Libertarians and Republicans, and now I voted for <laughs> the birthday party, you know, that's, which again was a protest vote. But um, 
I, um, yeah, I would say what I'm trying to do as a Christian, and I know there are a lot of Christians who would not agree with everything I'm about to say, but I've actually read the whole Bible like 20 times. Um, what I'm trying to do is to stick with what the Bible actually says. And I think sometimes if you don't, if, if you look at like Americanism and I love this country, but if you kind of look at Americanism and mix it in with Christianity, what comes out isn't actually Christianity. It's, I mean, Christianity is loving Jesus, pure and simple, but like kind of the playing out of that gets a little bit muddled when you see people like Donald Trump speaking for Christians and then like maybe doing a couple of things that match the Bible and everything else doesn't, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to just literally stick to what the Bible actually says. And the same Bible that says, you know, um, to be faithful to your spouse and not to steal and not also says not to oppress the stranger and the foreigner. (laughs) And, and, you know, and, and things like that. And so if you look at the whole thing, it really isn't, it's not political. It's not Republican or Democrat. It's just, this is what God says. And that's what I'm trying to do. And it's kind of a hard path because there are not a whole lot of people who believe exactly what I do. But um, that's also why I just try to stay out of it a little bit. Cause I don't, I really don't like arguing with people. <laughs> I like getting along with people, but I am willing to make a stand when I feel like it's necessary. Right. It's so interesting that you said that because I literally had in in my questions to ask you, um, what do you think when people say put the Christ back in Christian? Because that's been um, something that's been kind of going around the Internet and things like that recently, because there is this becoming a huge divide within the Republican Party um, because of Christianity, because those who really feel like uh like you um who by the way you're very similar to my uncle and my aunt who I love very dearly um and 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 I have a lot of respect for people that definitely walk the walk and and see that um and 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 actually live that um but so I I just think that's really interesting because you definitely um kind of kind of mentioned that um do you do you see that too do you see that there is a divide within the republican party because there's people who are touting being christians and then there's ones that are like man you weren't you're not being my i'm not seeing that as christian at all yes i unfortunately like i see it on social media and i i've also seen it like a couple of different churches that I've been to and without saying any specific, but I've seen like different flavors of how things, and I I think there are sincere people who are just kind of thinking in a a certain box maybe, but I'm not judging that those people aren't really Christians at all. Like I think that, you know, people, the Bible says we see through a glass darkly and then we will see face to face. Um, And I, but I definitely do. I do see that kind of the mentality of, well, if you, aren't lining up with Trump, how can you really, (laughs) and I'm, I'm seeing the opposite, you know, within people who are Christians and, uh, it's, you know, I think, and just to say as a Christian, I believe there's a literal Satan who wants to destroy all people really, (laughs) but he loves to pit Christians against each other by maybe getting them overly engaged in politics and overly engaged, not just politics, but any things that are temporal so that 
Christians divide against each other. Um, and when the real main goal, like we can be interested in a lot of other things, but the main goal for a Christian is to go and make disciples of all nations, to tell people Jesus loves them, that Jesus wants to save them and bring them, you know, and to do more of a work of unifying instead of separating. Yes, I, I would say I'm, I'm suspicious of a unity apart from Christ where it's based on just whatever. But but no, definitely my urge in life is to want to see people reconciled and to be friends. And to be, you know, that's definitely more um, my leaning is not to divide, but to bring people together in general. Yeah. And especially as a Christian. So. So you mentioned Satan. And so um, for those who if. If our if our non-Christian listeners have been listening up to this point, I'm I'm very proud of them because um, <laughs> what tends to happen is people, you know, we're siloed in our in our social media avenues, we're siloed in our polit- political views, um, and we're siloed in our spiritual beliefs. So kudos to everyone that's still listening. Yes, um, but if. If in in order to um, and I know that there's very strict wording in the Bible about Satan and things like that, but again, in an attempt to um, have have your words be be able to be understood in 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 a broad group again with people who maybe have never been you know raised in Christianity or, you know, and they might be thinking, this lady just said Satan's a real thing. Um, how could we reword that to, um, to make more sense to a broad public? Does that make okay. Sense? Yeah. Let me, um, let me see if I can. All right. Let's say there's a, there's an evil power that's not equal to God, but that opposes God far, far weaker than God, but that opposes God and hates people and can appear good and is very, very deceptive and much smarter than human beings and just wants to um, alienate as many people from God and each other as possible. Um, Does that help? And then that's, but then, you know, as a Christian, that's literally, that's literally Satan and his followers, but it's, you know, there's this very strong evil power, but not nearly as strong as God that just wants to destroy people. And is very what would you say to someone who would say, um, what if, how, how can there be that kind of evil if we, and, and how can it be smarter than us if we are made in, in God's, um, image? How could there be something smarter than us that could um, manipulate us if we're if we're godlike? Yeah, well, that and that's a really good question. And um, so the answer is, as a Christian, we believe that there are there are also angels. Uh, human beings were specifically made in the image of God, but there are also angels which are of a different nature. Uh, they're they're stronger and smarter, but they don't have the in some ways, the special relationship that humans do. Um, they didn't participate in the redemption, you know, the way we did, but angels are stronger and smarter. And that's usually a good thing as far as, you know, but Satan is a fallen angel. So that is why he is able to be stronger and smarter than humans and so evil and inspire, inspire human beings to do evil things to each other. And, um, you know, so that's, that's as an anthropologist, um, you have studied 
humanity um, through different periods. Um, I had a, a friend, my, my same friend, actually, um, shout out to Vicky. Um, she loaned me a book once that was called the angels, the angels in our times. And, and it was written by a man who, um, for, for lack of better words, his, his anthropological take was that we are actually as, as a species, um, are so much less evil than we were in darker times. Um, what would you, what do, what do you think about that? And that's a really, uh, another really good question. And I have to clarify, I say, like you said, you're an anthropologist. And I said, yes, without thinking, I don't have a PhD in anthropology. So I just have oh, to say, I have, yeah, I, no, that was my bad. Like you I should have just, you studied I anthropology. Have in anthropology, but yeah, like I'd have to have a PhD to call myself an anthropologist, but that's splitting hairs. Respect. But um, respect. I like that you called me out on that. That's good. That's good. Man, you, you are a child of two PhDs. I can tell. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I do not have one. I just am related. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, um, I got to study about a lot of different cultures and belief systems, obviously, as an anthropology student and I, uh, and a little bit of history. And there have been some really more obviously barbaric situations. But what I'm going to say as a Christian is because God is so incredibly perfect in a way that we can't comprehend um, and, and so incredibly pure, like even something that we think is a small transgression compared to how perfect he is, is like, is horrible. Like it's, it's hard to comprehend, but if you read, if you read the Bible um, thoroughly, you just get a sense and, and how perfect his love is too. It's not like he's this, you know, but perfect love, perfect holiness. So, it, human behavior may fluctuate in how uh, civilized or it was, was kind of a dated word, but how um, kind and how, you know, such we are to each other that may fluctuate, but human nature compared to God is very, very, very much lower than God's perfect perfection. So that's why everybody uh, needs redemption through Jesus. Um, so some people may be super nice, you know, some people who uh, don't believe in Jesus may be really nice people, but, but the issue is um, God's holiness and perfection and nobody can actually um, get close to God unless they are coming through Jesus because Jesus paid the price that we couldn't pay. Because no matter how nice I try to be, even if I never do anything outwardly wrong in my whole life, that's why Jesus said, if you even look at someone with lust, it's like you've committed adultery. You have committed adultery because God looks at the heart. Like if I even think something mean about someone and they never know it, God knows it. That's why it's so impossible for us to measure up to God. Um, so you're right that relatively there have been periods in human history. Some have been better than others in treatment of people. But um, compared to God, we are, it's like trying to jump to the moon. Like one person can jump up a foot. One person can jump up three feet. And God is like up where the moon is in holiness. So that's that's kind of that's where Christianity is with that. It's It's not that... Some people aren't very nice because there are a lot of very nice people. It's just that God is so perfect that we can't comprehend how pure and perfect and perfectly loving he is, you know. So what's your motivation in life, Aria? If, if God is the perfection, 
And, and, and to use your words, no matter how nice you are or how good you are, you'll never be God. What's the, what's the motivation to, for, for you in life? Okay. Well, that's a really good question too. And of course I have some selfish. Really interesting. And I'm glad you're hanging with me because like, I was going to just kind of go wherever you went with the questions and a lot more of them are about Christianity, which is fine with me, but thank you for hanging in there with that. Um, You're not my first Christian friend. (laughs) well, Well, this is very good. I like this. So Thank you. Um, so I have some selfish motives. There are things I just enjoy doing and goals I have, and I'm just going to put that out there, you know, um, and I don't pretend not to, but, but my end game is honestly, I want to see all of my friends and relatives in heaven someday. I really do. I want to see Jesus, you know, face to face and I, I already know that's going to happen because once you're saved, you are, you're saved. It's not like I'm hoping I'm going to make it. I already know I've made it not because I, but because the blood of Jesus, you know, has paid for me and not because there's anything good in me. And thank God, like, that's why Jesus died for us because no, literally nobody can be good enough. And the beautiful thing is how can I do anything good enough? Like, the Bible says he has this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So God knows we are dust, you know, he, but he loves us so much that he, it says also he has created good works in advance that we may walk in them. So there have been times where he's put people in my life where I, uh, was given the opportunity to share and to help them out with things. And it were, they were circumstances that I couldn't have arranged. They were people who wouldn't have necessarily crossed my path other than that God did it. And then, you know, the Lord gives you the resources and the words and um, he does it because he wants to bless us. It's literally, he doesn't even need, he literally doesn't need us. He just made us and uses us because he loves us. He is just, he's pure love. He like literally doesn't need us for anything. He just sets up things for us to do to help others so that he can bless us. And uh, so, yes, you're right. There is no, and I'm sticking with my, you know, there is no good in, in me other than Jesus, but because he, uh, is, is faithful. He's used me and uses me to help other people and do certain things, you know, that only he can do. And, uh, so that's my answer to that. And, and that's consistent with what the Bible says. And I've seen him do that with a lot of other people where, you know, how did that happen? How did that get arranged? Because, uh, God did it. And it's, it's, so he gets the glory, but he also gets to bless us. So how, how has it been different raising your children with Christianity than how you were raised? Yeah. So I, I was raised in church and my parents are believers. Uh, they grew kind of more over the years, but I'm going to say I went to public school and um, I, and that's fine. I mean, I, I, you know, don't mind that I went to public school, but I did homeschool my kids and um, I was able to, you know, and I didn't isolate them by any means. I had them in activities, you know, they had soccer and dance and gymnastics and, you know, with co-op situations and, uh, you know, 
they got to do a lot of things. But yeah, I got to homeschool them. They heard the Bible every day. They also learned about the scientific method. Science isn't my big area, but you know, and uh, learned about the major subjects, you know, and uh, so, but yeah, I was able to um, homeschool and read them the Bible every day and tell them about answers to prayer and pray with them every day and things like that. And so I would say the big difference was that I uh, homeschooled my kids. And really made the Bible more of a forefront in their studies than what you received at the public, obviously not at all at the public. Yeah. yeah. So how, how have they, um, how, how have they been, Do you feel like they're different than other? So your children would be, um, it sounds like they're millennial. Yeah, they're Zoomers, except my son is a young millennial. So yeah, the girls are Zoomers. Yeah, so they're 20 to 25, and they're all just very close together. They're stair steps, and yeah. Um, They um, all, when they were little, they all said yes to Jesus. And I'm going to say now they are all in places where I am sure that they're going to end up being solid with him right now. They're all questioning things. They are not hypocrites. They are all um, like, I've seen situations where there have been very sincere people who said yes to Jesus and stuck with it all the way through so far, you know, that I've seen, I've seen somewhere they said yes to Jesus and then they just lived like I did when I was <laughs> a teenager and a young, you know, and I think that's, you know, and my kids are not in either of those places. I think they're, they're just all sorting things out and they're going to, it's going to be the real deal. You know, they, like I said, they all said yes to him when they were little, they all happily came to church and uh, participated in things, you know, at church. And right now they're all questioning things. Well, I have a question, Aria. Um, my, what I've noticed a lot about Gen X parents and I'm not one, but I have tons of friends that are Gen X parents in the same, um, and their kids are the same age as yours. Um, and and what I've what I'm starting to see is um, a lot more Zoomers and and millennials are staying at home with their Gen X parents. Um, do you think that's a trend in our generation, or do you think that, or I mean, is that happening with your family? Sort of is. Yeah. I, um, I actually, I've seen, they were saying that about us, like though, right. When we were, we were the boomerangs because we kept coming home after we, <laughs> but yeah, I've seen. Oh, I don't remember that because man, me and my friends, I, I didn't know anyone that lived with their parents. Uh, I can't think of anyone that lived with their parents um, when I was in, in my twenties or college well, that went out and came back. Like I went out very young cause I got married the first time and then I came back for a while, but yeah. So maybe, maybe that was not, maybe I just didn't keep in touch with all of them. <laughs> yeah. But okay. Well, my, I have actually only two of them living at home. One of them lives nearby. The 24 year old lives nearby. My son is at home right now. He's waiting to go marry his fiance in India as soon as the travel bans lift I know. she's so lovely he's already gone to visit her and she's she's lovely uh and very sweet um and then I've got my 22 year old at home and then my 20 year old actually is living in California so my baby is is not at home and she's very far away but so half of mine are at home right now okay so there's not really a pattern that can be established. it's not really no it's just kind of they're just doing their own things so interesting though I 
just love listening to you share that. Oh my gosh, we didn't even talk about um, your social media presence and um, and your projects. But do you want to go ahead and plug um, either your your Zumba classes or your Instagram page or any projects you're working on right now? Real quick summary of all three of the things that I'm kind of that I kind of have. Yeah, Zumba. I um I've t- kind of told you, and I'm always happy to if you live in Knoxville, you come to um the stu- you know come to Elevation Arts and Fitness on Wednesdays or sign up for the Y. I'm also a Gold's Gym employee, but the uh, I was doing boot camps and those are not a thing right now because of the pandemic. But anyway, so yeah, that's Zumba I kind of talked about. The other two things that are ongoing, I do paint and I've sold quite a few paintings and murals. Uh, it's been slower during the pandemic for whatever reason, but it's, it's uh, his splendor reflected artwork, you know, artwork by Aria Savage. And um, I have that Facebook like page. If you want, I do original acrylics. Sometimes I'll do commissions where people will, you know, I've done quite a few commissions, um, and it's mostly landscapes, sometimes figural. And, um, so that's kind of a summary of my painting. And then the third thing is music. Um, and music is not a thing for money at all for me. It's something I've been on worship teams at a few different churches. I've been in a Christian band. I like to sing and play guitar and I write original music, which I've done here and there, you know, not any huge settings, but, you know, in a few public settings like churches and retreats in the past. And, um, so that is, um, Savage Sounds is that Facebook page. And, um, so that's kind of a brief summary of the main things that I'm involved in. Believe it or not, we've already gotten to the time where we're at the part of the podcast called rapid fire questions. Okay. Okay. Which I'm going to ask you a series of questions and, have you answered as fast as possible? Are you ready? I think so. Okay. What's your favorite memory from childhood? When I was really little and we had ponies. Oh, yeah. And I just love when you said that. I was like, wow, she had pony. I had a horse um, in Joshua Tree when I was a teenager. So, yeah, that stuff is the best. What's your favorite 80s band or, um, or musician? So it was Duran Duran by a mile. Like posters up and everything. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, the posters, of course. And what's your favorite '80s film? Um, I'm gonna say Ferris Bueller. I know that's a little funny. I was like, was it Flash? I think Ferris Bueller holds up. And then, um, why did you go to college? Oh, it was expected. Like, um, there was no. It was like of course you're going to college. Like everybody, my family's very educated and I resented it at first, but then I loved it. And I'm really glad I went. <laughs> and, um, you know, two parents that are PhD, of course. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, and then, um, if you could give, um, anyone in any generation, um, life advice, either, um, for the, to get through the hard times or the good times. And Aria, I, I, I encourage you because I know you're a faith-based person, but I encourage you to try to maybe word it in a way that could reach even the most agnostic person without, um, without too, too much scripture quoting, what would be your life advice? Okay. Well, since I've already said that, uh, you know, I've already said that Jesus is the answer. What I'm going to say just on a practical level is if things seem hopeless today, just wait until tomorrow. Just wait until tomorrow because things can change a lot in a day. Just wait. Don't give up. 
Like if you feel like things are in just on a short term, you know, sense, um, things can change so much and they can change so quickly that, um, if you're in a tough spot, just wait. Aria, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. This has really been fun and it's been a joy to to talk to you. And those have been some very interesting questions. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to be an army.